The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 149. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the Dose of Leadership. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning into the show. This episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Wealth Dynamics. You know, all of us have taken a personality test at one time or the other. I know I have. And often we already discover things that we already knew about ourselves, right? You're either extroverted or you're introverted. You're big picture. You're detail-oriented. Interesting, yes, but how does it make a difference in your life? Well, Wealth Dynamics has a personality test, the only personality test that tells you exactly what strategy you should follow to build wealth. It might appear that most people, that there are a hundred of ways to build wealth, but Wealth Dynamics breaks it down and tells us there's only eight Successful uh, leaders and entrepreneurs focus on where they are strong, and unsuccessful leaders and entrepreneurs try to do it all themselves. So if you go to doseofleadership.com slash wealthdynamics, you can find a link to go take the test. It only takes 20 minutes. And remember, there's no right or wrong answers, and you only find out what's true for you. Take the test and discover your profile today. They'll email you everything you need to take the test, so you can choose to complete it now or complete it when you have 20 minutes of money worth of time. So again, doseofleadership.com slash wealthdynamics and find your way to create your own wealth. Well, I'm so excited to have Dave Kraft on the show. He's been a Christian for 54 years. He served with the Navigators for 37 years before becoming a life and leadership coach with Ministry Coaching International. He also served as a pastor at Mars Hill Church for eight years. He currently lives in Lake Forest, California with his wife, Susan. They've been married for 45 years. They've got four children and seven grandchildren. He travels all over the place conducting seminars on his books, which is Leaders Who Last and Mistakes Leaders Make. He also coaches pastors in Canada, the United States, and several other countries. He's one of the most passionate, upbeat, and enthusiastic older leaders you'll ever find, and he has more energy than men half his age, and I need to to find out his secret there, and is committed to a lifelong learner. He blogs four times a week, to which you can subscribe to, and we'll have links on this post. Dave, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Well, thank you, Richard. It's a delight for me to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. You know, and uh, we were talking prior to the interview, you know, I love where you're living. I wish I could be in Southern California again, but <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I talked a little bit more in your about you in your bio there, but what, uh, why are you so passionate about leadership? Well, you know, I came to the conclusion a number of years ago, Richard, that I, I could reach people one at a time, wherever they happen to be, you know, along the spectrum. But then it began to dawn on me that if I decided to invest in leaders, it would be more multiplication than addition. So if I invest in a leader who has influence with other people, then I I multiply rather rapidly the degree of influence that God can allow me to have. So I decided from that point on, it happened, I'm going to guess, 20, 25 years ago, that I decided to to spend almost my time exclusively 
working with leaders who then in turn would impact others. So I'm very passionate. Matthew 9, the harvest is plant, the leaders, the laborers are few. That stoked me, that motivated me, and it's one of my go-to passages. You know, it's so true that uh, once, and I've talked to a lot of people about their leadership journey, and it's certainly true with mine, and I think, you know, when we were starting out, um, even if we were intentional about it, I think even when we're so young and naive, we're we're finding our way, and it is a little bit more about ourselves, we're trying to find our voice, we're trying to find our natural kind of charisma, if you will. But Mm -hmm. it's so true, it's like this point happens when you really kind of hit you, kind of almost like an aha moment it was for me anyway and several other people i've talked to is like you know the really the key is finding other people that are smarter than you more talented than you and unleashing their leadership potential and that's when things really start to transform and and that's kind of what you're talking about there right yeah i mean it goes along with my purpose statement richard my purpose my express written and the one i communicate is that my purpose is to help and empower and equip and equip the next generation of leaders in local churches coaching writing and teaching so I'm all about finding potential leaders, uh, getting hooked up with them either through my, my writing, through coaching, or through seminars, and equip and empower them so they in turn can have influence with others. What do you think some of the biggest challenges for leaders that, that are faced these days, say maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago when you were really starting to get passionate about it? What's the difference? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, a number of years ago, Richard, if I would have just walked up to somebody that I hadn't seen in a while and I would have said, hey, good to see you, Jim. How are you doing? I would have heard, uh, man, I'm really busy. I'm super busy. It's the season of life. I'm just really busy. But nowadays when I ask that same question, I'm hearing things like I'm exhausted, I'm tired, mm. I'm overwhelmed. So I'm sensing that more and more. Uh, leaders who are burning out, leaders who are just you know, Wayne Cordero's book, Leading on Empty. There's a lot of leaders that their gas tank is empty. They're kind of just existing on fumes. A lot of leaders are burning out, crashing, plateauing, being disqualified. So it's, it seems to me it's more intense now than it's ever been. There are more demands on leaders, both in the marketplace as well as in the church. And and a lot of leaders have not figured out. They don't, they're not quite sure what to do. They're, they're out of time. They're out of energy. They're out of ideas. And I think that's where I come alongside as a coach and try to help them, you know, zero base what they're doing. Let's look at the foundation. Let's look at your walk with Jesus. Let's look at how you leverage and use your time. And so I, the one thing that's different is I think there's a lot of leaders that are just living on empty. Why do you think, what do you think's happened? Is it, is the, is it the, is it technology? Is it uh, more people? I mean, what is it? What is the culture degrading? What do you think has happened? I think part of I think you're right, Richard. I think part of it is technology. I think with cell phones and computers and iPads and all the stuff that we have, the tech toys that we carry around, you're really on call 24-7. Yeah. I mean, even when you're sleeping, your phone and your computer is taking in content, emails, things from could be anywhere in the world, depending on what the nature of your role is. So I think people wake up with their inbox already full. Uh, they're going very fast. They're trying to do too much. They're traveling too fast. The demands are greater. Maybe the expectations are greater. And they're on call. I think the biggest thing is they're on call all the time. There's a guy that wrote an interesting book a number of years ago. He's actually a medical doctor named Richard Swenson. He wrote a couple of books. One of His first book was called Margin. Right. And the second one was called Overload Syndrome. And in that book, Margin, he talks about, he's got a great phrase, he calls it constant connectivity. Mm. Yes. We're constantly connected. And I think a lot of leaders don't know how to disconnect. They've got a good work ethic, but they have a poor Sabbath ethic. Yeah. 
it's almost like it, we've created this kind of monster where we feel like we have to be plugged in, and that that plugged in feeling just it drives anxiety. It drives a sense of um, it's kind of like we 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 impose a to do list on ourselves that I don't think we need to necessarily have. I mean, sometimes yeah, you, you yeah. can you can disconnect, and you'll you realize life does go on. I know that works for me anyway. I I, I can't tell you how many times I feel obligated to stay connected and it just feels like I'm suffocating half the time. It's like an addiction. It really is. Yeah. Uh, it has very, in fact, I've seen more than one blog about people who are addicted to their phone or addicted to their computer or their iPad, whatever it is they carry around with them. And you almost have to be weaned off. I mean, I have coached guys where their wives, uh, Richard, are begging them to turn off their cell phone and, and shut down their computer when they come home. And it's almost like they're unable. It's like coming off a of crack cocaine. Yeah. I just can't do it. What if somebody's trying to get a hold of me? What if your wife's trying to get a hold of you? What if your kid's trying to get a hold of you? I mean, what what's wrong with you? Can't you see this? Shut it down. Turn it off. <laughs> Give attention to your family. It's almost like we forgot what it was like to, to be without them. But remember, it wasn't even that long ago. And I can, you no, know, I think no. I got my first cell phone when I lived in Southern California in 1997, I remember having the conversation with my wife. We, we were talking about this the other night. He said, remember when we got that phone? We fought it for a long time. We thought, okay, we'll get one in case we need it for an emergency. I mean, what did we do prior to that? Well, you just kind of called when you got to the location you were at. Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's where you can reach me. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what we did when we were kids too. I mean, remember how our, yeah. our parents yeah. just said, hey, you know, you'd kind of go to your friend's house and you check in. Sometimes you didn't have to, but uh, I remember just calling calling my mom and saying, hey, I'm at Mike's. Uh, here's where you can reach me. Wow, we've just really become so dependent oh, on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I think I think we've, uh, to use a phrase from Gordon McDonald from way back when, Order in Your Private World, a book he wrote many, many years ago, uh, we've gone from being led to being driven. I think a lot of leaders are just driven by mm-hmm. their own ego needs, by the pressure, by the the comparison, you know, we play this comparison game where oh, we look yeah. around and other people are seeing more results, more fruit, um, they're happier. And so we drive ourselves as we compare with other people. And I just think that's insidious. You know, I just had a, I, it's funny that you brought that up. I was sitting there, we have a, a garage sale today, and me and my wife are sitting outside in one of the lulls. And I had a conversation, you know, and it's almost like as you become more entrepreneurial, you know, and just like you, as you, um, you know, finding clients and finding the right people. I find myself sometimes if things are slow and I get that kind of panicky feeling and the cash flow is not coming in, it's almost like that's where your ego and the needs kind of take over and nothing seems to work. It's almost like you have to. How do you get tapped into your inner core and your purpose and what you're supposed to do? And the more that you do that, the more you got to kind of get lined with yourself, with your heart, with God, with with whatever. Uh, that's when things start to click. But I got to tell you, I struggle with that, and I struggle with that comparison thing that you're that you're talking about. I talk to another entrepreneur, and I see how well he's doing, and then I just it deflates me almost. Yeah, exactly. How do we combat you know, that? Well, I've got a verse. Uh, it's it's becoming increasingly my my go to verse for this whole comparison thing. And I don't know if you're familiar, whether your listeners are familiar with Eugene Peterson. He's written a number of books, no. but then he he did something called The Message, which was put out by oh, a yeah. Press. Uh-huh. I, I have really enjoyed that over the last, I don't know how many years I've been reading, maybe eight, nine years. But 1 Corinthians 4, 7 in The Message says this, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? Mm. So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? It's a, it's a troublesome question. Uh, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? And if you say, 
Well, yeah, of course it is. Well, if, it, if I really believe that it is, and I haven't manufactured, and it's not because I'm so smart or have this incredible personality, they are gifts from God. I didn't have anything to do with it. So if I really believe that, then the question begs an answer. So then what is the point of all this comparing and competing? There isn't any point. Right. And uh, that, is, that, has, uh, that verse has just impacted me so much over the last several years. And I keep asking myself, so why do I feel this need to compete and compare to find my worth? Isn't having my worth and value and identity in Christ enough? Or do I need to get my value and worth from what I'm doing or how much I'm producing or how I stack up or measure compared to other people? Gosh, I mean, it, it's so true. And I mean, I think it just goes back to highlights how all of us are at its core insecure and we can't do this by ourselves. I mean, you have to rely on God and, and those around us and things that, that uh, it's almost like I, I stopped calling things a to-do list. It's a priority list. And when things, yeah, yeah, when absolutely. you have, have things in priority, it kind of keeps things in focus and keeps you grounded. You know, and like just talking to my wife and like she told me that she goes, you can't do that. And I said, I know I can't do that. And I coach people not to do that. But why do I fall? You know, even I fall into that, you know. But, yeah, but I yeah. think that's why you need coaches. I think, you know, I, I, until I got into a coaching relationship, even though I coach, you got to have a coach yourself, you know. I, don't, don't I you do. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in it. Somebody to speak in my life, somebody to keep me honest, someone to ask me the tough questions, and then I'll, by God's grace, give them the honest answers and not beat around the bush or make excuses, play the blame game. Right. Right. What do you think is the one characteristic that all of us as leaders that we absolutely need to possess? I mean, there's a ton of them, but if what is your top pick? You know, uh, you want just my my number one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, I've got a lot of thought about it. And actually, there's a blog. Uh, there's more than one, I think, on my website. Um, but I'm going to put uh, having a teachable spirit at the oh, top love. of the list, Richard. Love that. Love and, and the people would say, well, you mean you'd put teachable spirit before your walk with Jesus? And I would say yes, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're really teachable, uh, you're open to whatever Jesus has for you. But if you spend time in Scripture and you do all the spiritual things, but you're not teachable— you're not going to grow. So I think that's the number one thing I'm looking for. Are you really, are you a God-hungry, lifelong learner? Are you really teachable from anyone at any time on any subject? Um, and I want that for myself. I'm, the hardest people for, for me to take this is from my own wife and family. <laughs> when they want to call me on the carpet or confront me and tell me, you interrupt people, you don't listen very well, uh, you get angry when somebody disagrees with you. I need to own that. I need to say, you're absolutely right. I confess it. I repent. Forgive me. Instead of making excuses for myself. So the hardest people for me to be teachable and receive uh, anything from is my own family. Yes. Yeah. Oh, isn't that true? I love your answer. I love, I love, the, I love te the teachable spirit piece because you can't, you know, the leadership foundation doesn't even exist without, without it. I mean, no, oh, you're no, just, you're just yeah. lost without a teachable spirit. I love that answer. What do you think? Um, is one mistake uh, you witness leaders making more frequently than others? Well, you know, as a Christian, I, of course, I, I wrote the second book I wrote is called Mistakes Leaders Make. And the very, the very first mistake is allowing ministry to replace Jesus. Ah. So that ministry becomes your mistress, it becomes your value, your worth, your identity. And I think most Christian leaders start out having been very clear that Jesus Christ is both my point of identity and, and my, my, my intimacy. I want to have identity in Christ, intimacy with Christ. But as you get successful, as you get fruitful, as the accolades start coming, it's like the frog in the water. Over a, over a period of time, 
uh, the ministry takes over center stage. Uh, ministry becomes a functional savior. I think it was Tim Keller that said that. Ministry becomes our mistress, our our security, our everything. And it happens subtly, and, and you don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's a slow fade, isn't it? Exactly. I think that's the biggest mistake is when something – in fact, there's a great verse in the old Living Bible way back Tyndale put out long before they had the, the New Living uh, – New Living Translation had the Living Bible, and in 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And that's, a, that's an idol. In the old King James or the NIV, it says, stay away from idols. What's an idol? It's something that takes God's place in my heart. And I have to be uh, alert, prayerful, watchful, because um, the ministry for people who are in ministry is the easiest thing to sneak in and take God's place in my heart. How do we know and you're, that we're working from a place of of what our purpose is, as opposed to what our ego is telling us to do? What how do, how do you dis, discern the two in your in your life? Uh, you got you have great questions, Richard. I mean, <laughs> it's another awesome question. Um, I encourage the guys I coach, and even guys I don't coach, that uh, I have about six thousand people. You find find some way to access the website in any given month, and I have several articles on there that deal with, uh, I think where people need to start with, before they do anything else, to start, who am I? How has God created me? How has he put me together? How has he wired me? What is he calling me to do? What are my gifts, my passion, my vision? And you put all that together to try to create a purpose statement. For me, that's like a roadmap, a blueprint. It's like the banks of a river that keep uh, who I am kind of focused and channeled. So I think when I have a purpose statement, um, if I'm asked to do something because there's money in it or because um, it'll make me popular or it'll make me feel important, I think my purpose statement for me personally and for others, I believe it's the same thing. It sort of keeps me in balance. It helps me say, you know what, I need to say no to that. Not because it isn't a, a good idea, but it's not the best use of who I am. It does not fit my purpose. And if I'm really going to be effective and focus on a few things, I love C.S. Lewis's statement, uh, everyone is composed of a few themes. Yeah. So if you're jack of all trades and you're all over the place and you're chasing every opportunity because there's money or, or influence, and pretty soon I don't have a purpose anymore. I'm just after more money, bigger, better, faster. Um, I think I'm going to go down the rabbit trail somewhere. So I have really put a lot of stock in having a purpose statement and by God's grace trying to stay within that. And I encourage when I coach guys, one of the first things we have them do is go on a personal retreat. And if they've never done it before, write a first draft of a personal mission purpose statement. Do you find that um, – I find a lot of listeners of this show and a lot of people that have been in my leadership masterminds and people that have really resonated with this show, and, it, and it's a lot of men, middle-aged men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly true with my journey too that I thought for the longest time I did what I thought I was supposed to do based on oh, yeah. a whole bunch of norms. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really pressured me, but I just think, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, man, that led me down a, a really empty and bad path. And it wasn't until – I said, this is what I feel like my calling is, and I and I listened to it, and I stepped out in faith and courage and saying, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But even now and then, I mean, even though I, I feel days just 100% confident, I still find myself getting dragged. I, am I sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing? It's just a constant yeah. thing of self-doubt. I don't think the doubt ever goes away, does it? Does the fear, the uncertainty, the, the doubt, does it ever yeah. go away? Well, it's, it's lurking in the shadows back there somewhere. Am I really significant? Am I making the best contribution? I think when you get up to, in the 40s and 50s, you hit the old midlife crisis. You hit 
uh, you know, I forget his name, um, the guy that's with Halftime Leadership Network. Halftime, Halftime. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Th- oh. I, his name just slips my yeah. mind, but he's written, he's written a couple. He just wrote another book called Drucker and Me, um, uh, Bob Buford. Buford, yes. Yeah, I was just yeah, Googling Yeah, and uh, Halftime, I think it's an, an awesome um, thought that you get to. Some guys hit it earlier than others. I can't speak for women, but um, uh, especially women out in the business world or out there, uh, it can hit them as well. Where you you get to a point where you start asking yourself, "Is my life really counting for anything? Is my life really significant? Am I really making a difference?" Now you don't think about it when you're 20 or 30 because you're out there running around and doing all kinds of stuff and it's exciting and so forth. But somewhere you you sit back in that chair and you begin to think, um, "Okay, I've been doing this for X number of years. Is this is this what I should keep doing?" If you've been in business and you get to the place when you're late 40s, 50s, mid 50s, and you've done pretty well and you can do something else, you start asking yourself, is this what I want to do the rest of my life or should I be doing something else? What would I do? How do I know what I should do? And I think that's where the purpose and the reflection, personal retreats, doing some reading and writing to try to figure out who am I really? And if I have 20, 30, 40 years left, what's the best investment of those years? And I think sooner or later, every guy uh, is going to probably ask himself that question, some sooner and some later. What I love about what it seems like you're doing, I'd love to see what one of your retreats are like. It sounds like they would be, um, you know, and of course, I've been to uh, a few um, fight like a men conference or whatever you want to yeah. call them type things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, I struggle with this. And this is what I hate about the popular media culture. There's no place for a man to really go and figure out how surround yourself with other men and figure everything out you, obviously you can't go to media I, I, what i've got spike tv or maxim magazine or whatever and then that's you know <laughs> yeah that does, right. you know and all the commercials they dumb me down and they they kind of put me in a corner that i just all i care about is football sports and drinking beer and mm-hmm. you know and looking at pretty women okay and then i go to uh well let's let, let me get tapped into a church and a local men's group and everything else and i found there and and I'm curious to what if, if you've noticed this too, because you're in this more than I am. So I go to this fight like a man conference, and I got another 45 year old guy up there, same age as me, and he's wearing you know acid wash jeans, some shirt, and he's got you know Axe hair products in his hair, and there's a rock band playing <laughs> behind him. Like that's supposed to resonate with me too, and, I, yeah. and it just, it just doesn't work. And 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 then I find okay, here's an accountability partner, here's a man, and I get with him, and I find that most men don't really want to get authentic and real with me because there's just I don't know and it's yeah I, I struggle with it. that I can't find other men to sit there and go let's just talk about and let's just be real what it means to be real to be authentic and vulnerable I can't find it I struggle with yeah it. it's uh it's not easy I mean we, uh, the generation that we live in it's like scary um I'll look weak or I'll look like I haven't achieved anything if I share with you my weaknesses and I've been through that myself I was of the opinion years ago that if I shared with somebody that I was weak, that I had failed, that I was insecure or fearful, that they wouldn't want anything to do with me. That they would think, well, he's weak, what I need him for? I need somebody who's strong. And then I misread and misunderstood that actually being honest and open and vulnerable is a strength, not Absolutely, a weakness. That yeah. people re- guys respond to that was, I'm so glad there's somebody there who's being honest and open, not putting a big cheesy smile on their face and kind of like everything's great when we know it's not great. But where is it? Where is it safe to talk about that? And I accountability is you know that's a whole issue. Is there real accountability? Are guys just playing games? Um, are they really being honest with one exactly, another? Exactly. Right. So I think a guy. I think most guys. In fact, I read a book a number of years ago. It was called Men Without Friends, uh-huh. and it just talked about the fact that most guys don't have any friends. I mean, guys that are even really successful. It's true. They have lots of. They have popularity. 
they have uh, followers, they have uh, clicks and groups. But when you get down to it and say, do you have a real friend that you can be totally honest with? A lot of apparently successful guys don't. Yeah, it's true. Well, I've even found that in some of the clients that I've coached, and it's in, especially when I first started coaching, I found this. And and here's these people that are, you know, financially, and even if you, you know, if you're if you're keeping score, have accomplished a lot of things, and and on the surface look really great, and they've even got great family lives. And then they'll talk to me behind the scenes, like, well, there's just, I said, you know, are you getting value out of this session? They go, absolutely. You're the only person I can really talk to that that knows me. With I can't go yeah. to my father, I can't go to my wife. Not that they're hiding anything from their wife, but they just yeah, don't yeah. want to bother their wife with some of these kind of things that they're concerned mm-hmm. about. And I and I totally get that. You know, it's not like yeah. You know, in I suppose in a perfect world you could go to your wife and talk about these things, but I don't know. Sometimes I think there's just things that other guys could only talk about. What no, do you think totally. About Though there's certain things that your wife will never understand because she's not a man. Right. And so you need other guys. And I think that's why uh, Wild at Heart and those kinds of deals where guys can open up and be honest and vulnerable and throw sticks into the fire and tell their stories. It's just so liberating because a lot of us have grown up in homes where we didn't have that with our own dads. Right. Dad was busy, super achiever. You know, he gave you gifts and stuff when he went on trips, but you never had a relationship with him. Right. And so a lot of guys don't, what does that look like? I don't want to think so, somebody thinks I'm gay and I don't want to, we don't want to get in that whole issue, but right. I don't want to go there. And uh, so if I come up to a guy and say, hey, I'd really like to get together, he's saying, get together, what are you selling Amway? You, you, want a <laughs> right. you know, why do you want to get right. together? So I don't know what to do with it. That's what I hear. So I mean, they're, look, they're looking for it. Guys want that, but they're not quite sure how to go about it. And they don't want to look weak. So they're kind of in a catch-22. So what what advice would you give to a guy like myself or any other guys out there? They're like, okay, they're hungry for more. Um, we just seem kind of stuck. Where do we go? What's the next step? What, what, how can we kind of start finding some some peace in this, I guess? Well, I think it always starts with your relationship with, with Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, if you want to have uh, that personal walk. So when I coach a guy, that's, we talk about life accounts. And I, I tell them, before we talk about your vision and where you're going and what you're going to achieve, let's talk about you, that you're operating from strength and health. So let's talk about key relationships, your first one being with Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, and then your wife, and then your children, and then yourself, and having a purpose statement that gives you direction. So before we talk about what you're doing, let's talk about who you are and operating from strength and health. So I think it starts there, and then the next step would be whatever you want to call it, an accountability group, a men's group, a community group, you know, with your wife, that it's a real group. They're not just there to fill their heads with information. They're there to be honest and open, tell their stories, weep with one another, hold each other accountable in a truly biblical way. And then I think a third thing would be to have at least one guy outside of that group, either a guy from that group or from somewhere else, that you can really get down to brass tacks with this guy. You promise to be totally open and vulnerable. It's going to be confidential. He's not going to go blabbing to somebody else. Uh, and without your permission, if, and if he asked you, can I share this with our pastor? And he says, yeah, and he says, yes, it's okay. Otherwise, it's confidential. And I think if you have all three of those, you have, you're growing a good, solid relationship with Jesus through the practice of spiritual disciplines. If you're married, you and your wife are in a group or it's a guy's group that's real and true and the guys are really being open and you have at least one guy that that it's no holds barred. You can talk about anything. I think if you have those three things, you're going to be moving in a healthy direction. I think some guys don't have any of the three. I know. I know. Their job kind of is their God and that's all they do. Yeah. Well, gosh, I think 
what is your take on it? I think so many people are hungry, both men and women. I just think so many people are hungry for authenticity and accountability. Oh, yeah. It seems like there's there's something afoot, and maybe it's just because I'm more uh, in tune with it now with the show and my coaching and speaking and talking to people like you, but it, I don't know. Something seems afoot. People are frustrated, and, and they're hungry for uh, authenticity. What What is your take on that? Um, absolutely. There's no, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, it's like uh, the song years ago, looking for love in all the wrong places. I think they're looking for authenticity in the, bottle of a, in the bottom of a glass or with drugs or an extramarital affair or some kind of thrill-seeking adventure. But I don't think you're going to find it. I think you're still going to come up empty. I think, I think, you know, what was it, Pascal, that said, inside of every man is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by God himself. Mm-hmm. I right. think that's where, that's where we need to go. So that's what I'm all about, the website, babecraft.org, the books, the coaching it's all to help, and I, I work almost exclusively with men. Once in a while, I'll coach a lady, but I only coach on the basis of her husband's on the call with her. Right. So she, that she's hearing everything, and there's no uh, misunderstanding. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, whatever, uh, whatever time God has left for me, I'm going to make an investment in leaders who can turn around and then invest what they're getting from me with others. Well, gosh, I've got to tell you, you're – you're, um, I'm so glad I came across with your stuff. Obviously, I'm always looking for leaders. And I got to tell you, you know, your website is so full of so much. It's just content rich is the best way I can put it. I need to yeah. read both of your books. I haven't read your books. You know, like I said, when I found you, I am going to read these. And uh, I read some of your articles and look at your posts. I mean, it's just it's content rich, Dave. I mean, I don't it's just amazing how uh, well written they are in the thought. Uh, you're, you're definitely a thought leader, uh, someone that I'm going to uh go to on a on an ongoing basis so I well thank you richard i appreciate it yeah that's what it's there for it's, it's kind of everything i've learned over 30 40 years all in one spot there's over probably now close to 750 pieces of content on that website yeah. there's a search line if you click on it and go to it and type in like teams conflict relationships uh, uh, the content that's on the website dealing with that topic will pop up and you can just kind of scroll through it and find what you're looking for well, I, I know a couple of my friends. I'm definitely going to turn them on to this because this is just uh, it's content rich. And even if you know you're not even uh, in ministry, or even if you're not, I mean, this is there's so much. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, rich yeah. stuff in here. Hey, I was going to especially with this. Is there a big difference uh, from a challenge perspective from the challenges that are uh, within the church to the challenges that are within business? Are is there anything that separates or distinct between the two, or is it or is it are leadership challenges just leadership challenges regardless? I think leadership challenges are leadership challenges. I think the principles that work really work out in the marketplace are really biblical principles. Yep. I coach I coach several business guys, and uh, what we're saying is, hey, I'm going to share some principles with you that I use when I coach pastors, but the same principles uh, when you're developing another leader, uh, when you're trying to build a team, the same principles that you find in Scripture in Exodus 18, uh, in Paul's writings about teams and the body and how it works together and different people having different roles and holding each other accountable, uh, the same principles work across the board, whether they're in the church, whether they're in the business world, or whether they're in your family. I do seminars on both the books, so there's both a Leaders Who Last seminar and Stakes Leaders Make seminar, and all the information on that is at the website, davecraft.org, and I'd be happy with anyone that hears this. Uh, my email is there. They can email me and ask questions. We can have a phone call if they want to pursue any uh, any opportunities or options. Well, check him out, folks. Dave Craft, uh, DaveCraft.org is his website. I'll have links to all of this on the post when, uh, and uh, links to his books as well. Uh, Dave, what a f- pleasure. I mean, I'm so glad to have met you. I look forward to staying in touch with you and possibly collaborating with you in the future. Um, so what a blessing to have finally met you. Yeah. 
Love to do it, Richard. And thanks for the opportunity. I know you, uh, you only can have time for so many people. So thanks for inviting me. I consider it a privilege and I appreciate what you're doing. Well, the honor, the pleasure was all mine. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. See you. Dave. Okay. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.